way of the been for the last 50 years. That's the opening song from Godspell. Had a revival a couple of years ago in 1976. I was one of the people on, not that stage, but on a stage doing Godspell. And that was the opening song, Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord. Do you know where that song came from? Do you know where that (laughs) is from Godspell? Where those words came from? The Bible is where they came from. It came from John the Baptist. came from the book of Isaiah. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now the people in the thing were Methodist because you saw them sprinkling. They were supposed to be baptizing. If they had been Baptist, they would have been in that water and doing the real deal. But, you know, they do the best they can across the street. I don't know. They do the best they can. Scripture from the book of John, chapter 1, and it's verses 19 through 28. Again, I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, with me. It's John, chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. And, uh, and we'll see where we go in all of this. The point that we're looking to is to be able to see Jesus, we have to be prepared to see him. In order to see Jesus, we have to be prepared to see him. Something that has to happen for us to see him. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but but confessed, I'm not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, Are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you a prophet? No, he answered. Well, who are you then? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? And he said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just as as Isaiah the prophet said. Now when they had been sent from the, now they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you, but you don't know him. 
He's the one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. And all this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. That last line is sort of an important thing because that what tells us is that John's not in a church. He's not sanctioned by any church. He's a guy. He's just a guy. And he goes out into the wilderness and he starts to preach. And the message is well received. People are hearing what he's preaching, what he's saying. They're coming to hear him. When they come to hear him, the message moves their hearts. They go to him and they're baptized, a baptism of repentance. And it's grown so big that the church people are starting to say, what, what, what's up? What's going on? Who is this guy? We've got to go check him out. I love the way the scripture talks here. He says that John, this was John's testimony. We talked about verse 7, that John was a witness. And now he's given a testimony. And now the people are coming out. The investigators are coming out to find out what's really going on. What's really happening here. I've never thought about what John the Baptist was doing. I've never thought about it being strange. I've been in church all my life. I've heard this story in relation to Christmas a thousand times. And now I think about it. And what John the Baptist was doing was really strange. I mean, beyond the fact that he was dressed funny and he ate funny, this was a guy that just decided to go preach on a street corner. He was not sanctioned by anybody anywhere. He just went out because he felt compelled. He just went out and started preaching. And he preached a very specific message. And these church people are hearing this and they're going, who authorized him to do this? For him to go out and be baptizing in the wilderness like this, there has to be a reason. There has to be somebody. We've got to find out who this guy is. And you know, we look, we look back on these folks and we think that they're so primitive they're so wayward, they're so, they're so backwards, the things. They, they had messiahs that were popped up all over the place and, and, and they had to go out and find out if they were really the messiah or if they weren't really the messiah. And we think about how superstitious they are. I follow a preacher guy on Facebook. I follow several pe- preachers on Facebook. This preacher was preaching last week and I was listening to a sermon And I said, you're wrong. You're just wrong. What you're saying is not scriptural. You are flat wrong. Should have turned right. You turned left. You're on the wrong street, dude. You're wrong. And when you go to television, you can flip through channels and find religious, religious stations all over the place. And some of the folks that you hear are straight up good folks. And some of the people you hear... Just because, read between the lines, just because you hold this book up in the air and say that it's God's word doesn't mean the message that you're preaching is God's word, especially if you never crack the book open after you hold it up. But you've got to pay some attention. You go to the Baptist bookstore, you go to bookstores all over the place, and there's all kinds of people. We live in an age where there is so much information coming at us that we can't keep up with it all. And there are people that are telling us what God said to us, what said to them that they're supposed to tell us and it's supposed to be. Listen, we have to stop just like these people had to stop, and we have to examine it, and we have to start holding it up next to Scripture. 
because there is heresy out there. There are people that, that are thinking they're teaching the truth and Satan is right there saying, let's turn just a smidge. Let's get you off the page. That's what they were doing. They were going out in the wilderness to find out if what this man's saying measured up to the scripture. Is he the Messiah himself? They weren't so backward. They did things that we sort of kind of don't do. We just listen to everybody. I listen to preachers sometimes. I don't want to, I'm, this is off the topic, but I just want to say it. I listen to preachers sometimes in very big venues, and it's a motivational speech. If it's not talking about Jesus, it's not worth hearing. It's that simple. Now, motivational speeches are good in their place. I enjoy them. But don't walk away saying, this is what God said. Because this is the only place it comes from. If it don't measure up, it doesn't fit. So make sure, make sure, whoever, make sure I am preaching the gospel. If something sounds funny to you, go home and look it up. And if after you look it up, it still looks funny, come and talk to me about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Be a long shot. But there's possibility that I could be wrong. Make sure, make sure. They went out to him. They said, who are you? There's temptation in that question. When you're up in front of people and somebody comes up and says, who are you? What, what gives you the right? There's a possibility that you've got a little bit of ego that's in the middle of all that. And he could have answered a little bit coy and he could have said to everybody, well, I'm not the Messiah, if that's what you mean. And the scripture says that he didn't do that. He didn't deny it. He didn't play coy. He just confessed. I know what you guys are looking for. I'm not the Messiah. Well, you got to be somebody. Are you Elijah? They're asking that because the scriptures back in Malachi said that Elijah was going to come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not Elijah. They ask, are you the prophet? He says, no, I'm not the prophet. Well, then who are you? And he goes to the scripture and he quotes Isaiah 40. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Now, what this comes from is when a visiting dignitary would come into a city, the people of the city would go out and straighten up the roads. They didn't have paved roads like we do, and they'd want to make sure that the road was as smooth as possible for that king to come in. You don't want the king hitting pop potholes as he's coming into town, so they'd go out and they'd smooth out the highway, try to raise up the low spots, lower the high spots, and make it real easy for the king to get into town. So what is, what is he doing? What is he doing? What is John saying to do that? So that when the king comes into town, we will know who he is. What is he saying? His message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I got a great sermon prepared. But I can't go with it. I want this one point to be there. I want you to take this home with you today. We talk about we want to see Jesus. 
We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus working. We want to see Jesus in our church working. We want to see Jesus in our community working. We want to see Jesus. Or how do you, how do I, how do we get prepared to see Jesus? How do you do that? Well, I read my Bible, I pray. Those are all good. But I think we're missing something that we don't hear preached very much. Repent. We are arrogant people. We are arrogant people. We get upset because the thermostat is wrong. I heard on the little blog that I I go on that there were the guy that was talking said that he was surprised that three pastors had put in their sanctuary fake thermostats so that people could go and bump it up and somebody else could come and bump it down and the thermostat didn't do anything. But it kept people off of his back. When Kim played offertory a minute ago, what was the hymn, old folks? What was the hymn? I hear mumbling. I'm not sure anybody really knows. When I survey the wondrous cross, on which the prince of glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Do you remember the second verse? Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. We swung the pendulum a little too far. Grace is real. And what I preached last week, I got to tell y'all, last week was the best sermon I've ever preached in my whole life. I don't know what y'all think about it, and actually at this point don't really care because when I heard it, I went, baby, that's good. Serious as a heart attack. I listened to it twice on the podcast. That guy preaching, he was on. Because he understood last week that no matter what I do, no matter what I do, he will welcome me home. But if I step back from that just a little bit, I also have to realize that I'm going to keep doing and I don't want to keep doing. 
but I'm going to. I'm a flesh and blood person like the rest of you. You're going to keep doing. You're going to say things you're not supposed to say, do things you're not supposed to do, go places you're not supposed to go. You will do them. And they will be wrong and they are sin. And when we persist in that sin, you can't see Jesus because you're all clouded up. And he's not going to come knock you down. He, well, he might. I can't say he won't. He might not knock you down. He may do what the father did in the prodigal son story and just let you do whatever it is you're going to do until you come to your senses. Repent, folks. Hold yourself up in a mirror. And what do you see? Who are you? Same question they asked John the Baptist. Who are you? Who am I? When I stand up and look, all preacherly in my coat and tie, who are you? One last thing. I have a um, guy I listened to talked about his devotion. And he talks about using a book of prayers from the Puritans. This was back in the 1600s, I believe. So I read one of their prayers every day because their prayers are really, really good. I want you to hear this, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to have a time of commitment. And, uh, you know, you can sit there and think, well, we didn't get our money's worth in a sermon this morning. Or you can think of a holy God who stands up before you and what you look like in his reflection so that we can bend on our knees before him. And he can lift us up instead of us lifting ourselves up. O Lord God, who inhabitest eternity, the heavens declare thy glory, the earth thy riches. The universe is thy temple. Thy presence fills immensity. Yet thou hast of thy pleasure created life and communicated happiness. Thou hast made me what I am and given me what I have. Given me what I have. In thee I live and move and have my being. Thy providence has set the bounds of my habitation and wisely administers all of my affairs. I thank thee for thy riches to me in Jesus, for the unclouded revelation of him in thy word where I behold his person, his character, his grace, his glory, his humiliation, his sufferings, his death, and his resurrection. Give me to feel a need of his continual saviorhood and to cry with Job, I am vile. With Peter, I perish. And with the publican, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as forgiveness in order to serve and enjoy thee forever. I come to thee in the all-prevailing name of Jesus with nothing of my own to plead, no works, no worthiness, no promises. I am often straying, often knowingly opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, my failure to use them to my advantage. But I am not careless of thy favor or regardless of thy glory. Impress me deeply with a sense of your omnipresence that thou art about my path, my ways, my lying down, my end. My job as a pastor is to lead you to Jesus, to hold him up high and lifted up, that he would draw all men to him. I ask you this morning to repent. Don't read anything into it. You can if you want to. You'll be so wrong. It's not even funny. Repent. Stand before God for no other reason than to realize who he is and who you are so we can bow down before him and be lifted up and see his face. I am thoroughly convinced I am thoroughly convinced that many of the things that we say are of God are just things that happen. Yes, he is sovereign, and he, I can argue that with you. But we want to make a big deal out of things that, that just happen because we can't see God because we're not humble before God. And he won't let us be the proud people. Only him. Let's pray. Father, we've spent so much time talking about how you welcome us home and we can climb up in your lap the image that we give and, and you're so happy to see us. But Lord, we climb up in your lap with soiled clothes. We are but flesh and bone, Father. We can't see beyond the tip of our nose. We can't say no to our appetites that overwhelm us. We think highly of our wisdom that can't change the number of hairs on our heads. 
Lord, we are a, a people that talk about climate change and the things that we can do to stop it. And yet when a thunderstorm comes, we cower in our houses, fearful of the wind and the rain and the noise of the storm. And yet in you we rest. Father, help us to repent. Help us to hear the message of John the Baptist, that you're here, that you're, you're among us, and we don't even know you. We wonder why we don't see the things that have happened of old. And we come up with all kinds of excuses. But, Father, maybe what the problem is very simply is that you're waiting on us. You're calling out to us. And you're telling us to humble ourselves before you. This morning, Father, help us to do that. Help us for a few minutes to be a humble people. Recognizing that all that we have is yours. Through Jesus, we pray. Amen. Trusting Christ as your Savior means that you repent. What that means is that you look at the way that you've been and what you've done and you say, I don't want to do that anymore. But I got to know where to go. And there is only one person to go to, and that's Jesus. The Bible says he is the way, the truth, and the life that no one goes to God except through him. So you turn because you know you didn't have it right. And you turn to the one who you know has it right and you say, I will follow you wherever you go. And the scripture says that you are saved and he will enter your heart and give you a new life and he will make you new. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've